So just to add the proof that we are living in a very weird time pop culturally, it was noted this weekend as two big things started the end of their cycle, which is we got the the trailer for Star Wars Episode Nine, which is the end of the Skywalker saga. And then we also got the first episode of the final season of Game of Thrones, and then at the end of this month, of course, we also have uh, Marvel Endgame, which is hitting, which is going to be the you know culmination of eleven years of Marvel, right? The Marvel Cinematic Universe. So all of this is interesting because these are two very, I don't know what they're called, the two thousand tens. They're you know it's that decade, very defining, very high profile pop culture things that are all winding down at least as we know them now right we know that there are more star wars movies coming one of which one trilogy which will be by the game of thrones guys we got uh, more movies coming after endgame and game of thrones is also going to have their own prequel sequels of some kind that hbo are going to do but basically everything as we know them now is all grinding to a halt so uh very interesting to think about uh, as this season, of course, starts to wrap up as well. From the way things are looking in this season of Discovery, it looks like next season could be very, very different, depending on how things uh, end up and work out. The only thing that kind of gives it away that they might be surviving whatever happens at the end of this season is that Spock is on board. If Spock wasn't on board, you could have a very, like, voyager type ending or you could have you know where they end up in some future universe but they're going around and things are different yeah so there's a like <laughs> i realize there's a logical here mm-hmm. so she's going through in the suit right and she was going to be stuck and she's supposed to be pulling the discovery with her right and so to like, so they they're gonna crew the discovery, right? Uh huh. Yeah. Which seems like a tremendous complication in terms of, you know, what 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 they're going into. They don't know, right? Right. The future somewhere. Well, somewhere in time, basically. Right. And on the and it's supposed to be, I guess, far in advance, right? It's not. Yeah, a thousand years. Uh, well, yeah, you, you don't want to go like a week and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not far enough. Yeah, because control will just be there. <laughs> yeah. They'll just hang out for a week and a half. So, like, sending all these people, including Spock, right? Because, of course, once Spock goes, you know, oh, well, we know where Spock ends up in, in 10 years. True. So... Now it becomes, at that moment, you're like, oh, well, they're all coming back. Mm-hmm. They have to now because 
Spock soundboard. And in one sense, maybe that's why you said Spock, because you, you're not, we're not signaling that they're going to get lost, right? Right. And, like, and season three will be, you know, Burnham wandering through the 28th century, you know? <laughs> right. Trying to make her way. So, like, it's like, oh, no, they're, they're all coming back. Look, I mean, key characters, you know, characters anchored into the current timeline are coming back. So don't worry about yeah. it. This is a dramatic, but how, how will they do it problem, not a what's going to happen problem. Anyway, that was my. So luckily, I mean, for us, we don't have to choose what the next pop culture zeitgeist is going to be. That's not what we do here. We discuss Discovery. So here we are, the brothers who trick about talking about Discovery, the episode uh, Such Sweet Sorrow. That's all of that line we're getting. Uh, but uh, quick introductions. My name is Matt, coming to you from Austin, and coming to us from Houston is my brother Ken. Say hello, Ken. Peace and long life. Go. So obviously, the name of this episode comes from a Shakespeare line from Romeo and Juliet, which is, parting is such sweet sorrow. That I shall say good night till be tomorrow. So there you go. That's a little uh, Juliet line there saying to her Romeo. So uh, we talked a little bit about the time travel, where we think they'll end up. I think we'll get back into that as we get towards the end of the episode. But let's talk about the big reveal in this episode, which is the uh, new Enterprise Bridge. Uh, what do you think whole, of that one? The whole shit that looked gorgeous. So yeah. I, I read the... I, I read the interview with the person who's in charge of, you know, the overall look and feel, the, the visual, right? Yeah. Uh, for the series. And, you know, she was, of course, very enthusiastic about having an opportunity to redesign the Enterprise. And her, her uh, what she wanted to do is make it so that when you look at it, you instantly go, that's the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Right? She's like, we have seen enterprises that don't much look like the original series. I wanted this to look like the original series, not some other iteration or some unique iteration. But at the same time, it has to look like it belongs in the Discovery universe. Right. You know, so we have that wacky bridge that Scotty goes on in that uh, Next Generation episode of Relics. Yeah. Which looks like the 1967, you know, bridge, right? Yeah. And... You know, that's not what they were going for. They don't want to, you know, have something that looks weird, oddly, like, out of sync with the... So she wants it, on the one hand, to look like it belongs in this universe, but also instantly recognizable as the Enterprise. And then, you you know, the bridge changed, right, periodically. Yeah. They would they would redress it. They would reset it. They would... We know that lights changed, you know, that yeah. sometimes things look more yellow. Sometimes things look uh, more green. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, she, like, for example, to talk about the, you know, uh, Kirk's tunic was supposed to be green, but the lights made it look yellow, gold, right? Mm-hmm. These panels originally were red, but these same yellow lights made them look orange, right? So she's designing these red panels, and, of course, we get this line from Giorgio, Orange? Really? You know? <laughs> yeah. So, and this is a question of these lights that were used in the production. So, you know, they, they, they've kind of picked 
you know, some things that are authentic that we look at and go, oh, yeah, that's the ship. So I loved it. I thought this this felt like it was the Enterprise. Yeah, it looked great, I thought. <clears throat> I was very impressed. Because it looked um, it looked enough like the original. Obviously, there's a lot of things that, like, you know, where the elevator or the turbo lift was, the, the guardrails or whatever those things are that were around the bridge. And everything else was generally in the same place, so you kind of got the sense like, okay, yeah, this looks, this is exactly like the old bridge. I remember how this works. So, yeah, I totally dug it. And obviously the exterior, which we got to talk a little bit about last season, I thought that also looked uh, brilliant as well. Yep. I mean, this really... Only one other thing that, like, you'd, you'd look at and go, this would be, like, a te- the engine room, right? Yeah. Because if they redress the quarters and they look different, you're like, you know, quarters get, everyone's quarters kind of look different anyway. And we did actually mm-hmm. see Spock's quarters. When, because Burnham goes on there when she was That's looking right. for the Red Angel clues. Yep. And, of course, his quarters didn't look like they did in the show. But... I mean, that wasn't like a big deal. People redecorate all the time. I thought the, the other thing. I thought that, the other. Yeah. Well, the engine room on Discovery kind of looks like the old, like the old one. You know, it yeah. has that panel up there with the V shape yep. and the. So that one kind of. But the other thing I thought that really helped the bridge was just the sound effects. Oh yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? They're hit. They the woo and you know everything else. It just like it was like perfect. You like okay, you nailed all the sounds of the bridge. Good job. And people being in that, that, the colors, right? Right, yes. When they're in those bold colors, it, it helps it to look like this is... And I like the uniform that uh, we saw it best on, on Pike, I think, because we got some good close-ups of him in it. And, you know, this is the solution that I'm, I've used in Star Trek Online. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, you can get the classic uniform, Right. But yeah. then, like, other characters, if they haven't done certain things and earned those things or you didn't buy them or whatever, you know, I would take some other thing and I would just put it, you know, make all the panels the color that I thought, the gold or the red or the the blue. And that's basically what he's got. You can tell it's textured differently. Yeah. Right? It looks like the modern uniforms that we've been seeing in J.J. Trek or other kinds of more modern uh, Star Trek. Well, even too, they look like the Discovery. They've got the they've got the shoulder pads or whatever going on. Yeah. They got the neck thing, whatever that is. They're just in the old, the original series colors. Right. Yeah, I think they look great. So it was a good good solution. How about those new like docking rings that connected the two the two ships? That was cool with the force field and everything. You're like, okay, that's a, that's a very you know, now way of thinking right. how we're going to be able to, you know, as opposed to big, I don't know. I can't remember. They did it in one of the movies, didn't they? Or, or one of the shows where they had to connect two ships and it was like a, a tube or something. Yeah. I can't remember. But yeah, just the idea of using the force fields was like, okay, that's pretty brilliant. Yeah, I think we've got more of a sense that you're going to use energy stuff to solve them rather than doing something we might do today. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, obviously, go ahead. There's, there's always you know that, that group of people. You brought up some some Star Wars earlier, um, and I don't know how much this affects the the Marvel universe, but you know I think you there's some of it in Game of Thrones, where you've got people who are always dissatisfied, and we've talked about that. 
you know, on this podcast going all the way back. And, you know, I think part of it is, are you going to make the perfect the enemy of the good? Because if you are, then you can you can easily find yourself dissatisfied with stuff that's quite good. Uh-huh. Because it's not what you imagined. It's not the way it was when you first saw it. It's not the way it was in your childhood. Right. It's not the way it was, you know, in your perfect, in your, in your unicorn conception, right? Unicorns are real. You can imagine them. And when we talk about them, we both know what we're talking about. It's a horse with a right. horn on its head. Right. But they don't really exist. And in, in, you can't, like, go out and go, well, this is it. And that's how, that's Star Trek, right? That's Star mm-hmm. Wars. That's uh, Westeros. It's, it's whatever. You know, the, these various universes. They exist because we can imagine them, but you can't go and say, no, look, Kirk actually does this, right? Mm-hmm. He, his uniform is actually made of this material. So what you're left with is, like, picking and choosing between various iterations as, as though that's real and the other ones are bad. And instead of saying, I want good Star Trek, right? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be perfect Star Trek because my perfect is different than your perfect is different from the next guy's perfect. Yeah. It just needs to be good. I want to be entertained. I want to go, I recognize this as Star Trek. Or, I, you know, there's enough Star Trek elements that I, I can buy in to the Star Trekness of it. I don't need, uh, I don't need some kind of perfect Star Trek to, to enjoy Star Trek. Yeah. We, uh, you know, it's funny because, like I said, the first episode of season eight of Game of Thrones has started, and already you're seeing people online like, okay, I'm giving them one episode for setup, yeah. but boy, if that next episode doesn't click the way I want it to, and I'm like, well, okay, so first of all, we're in the first episode of the season, right? We got to get everybody, like this episode, right, where we got everybody, we got to put everybody in the place they're going to be for yeah. the next big thing to happen, right? So in this case, we're getting everybody in in in. Well, here, I'll just use the case of this show, right? We got to get everybody who's going to be on the Discovery on the Discovery. We got to get everybody who's on the Enterprise here. We got to get Burnham set, ready to go. We got to get Tyler going off to do whatever he's going to do at the end of this episode. You know, so we got to put everybody in the places they're going to be so that the next episode, which for in this case is going to be, you know, the finale, we got to we got to just chest move everybody into those spots. So maybe the beginning of this episode, you know, maybe some people found this episode like, okay, let's just get to it. I didn't, but there's, but you know, Game of Thrones is the same way. You know, they're setting up for this huge battle that's going to be happening. My guess is episode three. And so, you know, it's like, well, we got to get everybody there. We got to get everybody in place. We got to have some reunions happen because some of these characters haven't seen each other in 10 years. So let's, you know, get Arya and Jon Snow back together chit chatting and, you know, all these other people. Let's do this, you know. So, uh, so yeah, people are going to complain about anything no matter what, even if it's something that's as forgivable as like, you got to give us a couple episodes for setup here. Come on. You got to, we got some other things to take care of. We got some character relationships like in this episode that we have to end, you know, or not end, but you know, wrap up. Right. Prepare them like, to, to go to the next phase, whatever that's going to be. Exactly. And you know, you know I, this note was going to come later, but I'll just say it now is it's like the, the, the goodbye that Pike has, right? It's probably because story-wise, we're not going to have any time next episode to do right. it because we got all the action happening. And if they do end up in the future or something, there's no way that Pike's going to be able to have not only the goodbye to you know the crew, but the goodbye to us, right? Because we all want everybody to say goodbye to Pike in the right way. So, hey, let's do it in this episode before stuff happens. Mm-hmm. Aces in their places, man. We got to get them all there. That's it. That's right. And, you know, I thought we had a lot of good character notes. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, yeah. 
So plot wise, yeah, it kind of felt like what we're basically doing is, you know, sending everybody off in their various directions and there wasn't a lot of action. Right. But in terms of character, right, everyone was kind of like something big is going to happen. And for them, it was, well, Burnham's going to go off into the future. And I was like, well, I don't think that's going to, re- I mean, that's not a permanent thing because Spock is going with them and so forth. Yes. But something big's going to happen. We're going to confront <laughs> Section 31. We're going to resolve the season, however that's going to go. It's going to be big and exciting. Let everyone do their stuff. And I thought some of those pieces were really, really good. Yeah. The Stamets and Culper, mm-hmm. you know, they kind of said goodbye in a way that was both believable and emotionally tense. And they both wanted to be nice to each other, but they were both saying, listen, I'm... We're moving on. We're going forward. Yeah. And you had that fun business with that... Tilly and her person from her her short track. Yep. Yeah. Shows back up and we get that back. I love yep. how they use it. Like they use clips from the short track in the, the uh, previous last time on uh, <laughs> <Yep>. Star Trek. <laughs> so that was fun. And you know, like you know, there were all these good character pieces. And I thought that was great because we, we want the characters to move. Right. right. We don't want the characters to feel like no matter what happens, they're always the same. That's one of, you know, the weak points of the way television worked in the 60s. Mm-hmm. That that Star Trek, despite being trapped in the 60s and not being able to really think outside that particular box and, and change, nevertheless, makes their characters change. Right. Right. Because inadvertently, they begin to build lore. They introduce Sarek, and they can't unintroduce him. And they realize he's a good character, so you want to bring him back. Yeah. And when you do, you're like, well, we've already kind of established Spock and Sarek's relationship. And, you know, they... We now live in a world way, way past that. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're getting this much richer characterization of this goodbye, rather than like, a klaxon goes off, everyone runs, and then it just on to the next battle. Yes. Well, not to beat a dead horse like we tend to do from time to time, but, you know, one of the great examples that you always, you know, that you pointed out was City on the Edge of Forever, right? Where we get to the end of the episode, he's lost Edith Keeler, and all we get from that last moment is, let's get the hell out of here, you yeah. know? Where, you know, it would have been nice to have a whole other episode where he's like, God, did I do the right thing? And, you know, Spock's in the room going like, hey, yeah, you, you did. The, of course, sir, you did the right thing. You needed to get rid of Edith. We, we wouldn't all be here if you weren't. Yep. So uh, not only Kirk would have to work through it, but McCoy would. Because, yes. Because he was, you know, still under the influence of his recovery. With, yeah. He didn't know what was going on. Yep. He's just like, well, here I am, and I, I don't quite understand why I'm here, and it's all, maybe I'm crazy. Yeah. And then, you got to rescue her. Jim, what are you doing? Why are you holding me back? Oh, yeah. my God, what happened? And then someone's got to explain it to him, and he's got to go through his own, you know, way yeah. of thinking about it. So you'd have both of those characters doing it differently, interestingly, interacting, while Spock at the same time is trying to be like, we need to write that book. That should be the yeah. next book. <laughs> well, there was like three things that could have jumped off back into this episode, but now I can't remember any of them since I jumped <laughs> off onto uh, Edith Keeler there. But um, I like that 
Burnham is she's looking at the time crystal at the beginning, and you know she basically says to uh, Pike, "There has to be more to this. It can't. This thing can't just be about endings. You know, it can't be about the end of my mom, the end of Discovery, the end of all of this." Which I think is something we'll probably end up learning by uh, the next episode, possibly. You know, this isn't just an ending; it's a beginning to blah blah blah. That which is also very Trek. I feel like. Right. That's like the end of Star Trek, too. Uh, you know, this isn't just the end of Spock, but it's the beginning of a whole new world. Although they go back on that in the next when they blow up said world. Although they also like the thing with Spock and that took a long time to resolve. Yeah. I mean, he was still not quite himself like two two movies later. Yeah. Which is great. I love that 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 whole arc just continued throughout the movies. So Burnham, by the way, has that flash forward where all things have gone bad. We don't see the full one yet, but early in the episode, we uh, she has just a couple of flashes there. And then later we get that extended one where she she sees Leland break in and just like mow down everybody, which is interesting because, you know, they get to the point. Maybe I should have saved this for later, but screw it. We get to the point later where everybody on the crew's like, no, we're coming with you. You know, hey, we're all all for one and one for all. We're the crew of Discovery. We're sticking with Discovery and blah, blah, blah. She should have been like, no, I've seen what the future shows. You all are here. You all are basically going to die. I don't need any of you here with me. We need to I need to do this by myself. You know, at least then to her, because that's been the whole thing, right, is can she change the future? Can can what we've seen be be undone? And so basically by her allowing everybody to come along, she's basically like, well, I know we're all going to be in serious trouble and we'll all die because Leland kills everybody. You know, it's interesting. She didn't make the other choice of like, no, you all got to go. You can't go. Bye. Go away. Get off the ship. So they can't blow up the ship because the sphere data is protecting itself. Um, They also never try to communicate with the ship. You know, they, they never go, well, apparently the, com- the, the computer is alive, right? Mm-hmm. The sphere data or whatever. So let's, try, let's tell it what's going on. And say, you, you need to get out of here. You need to do X, Y, and Z. You can't let control get you because then this bad thing will happen. And, and then see what, I mean... It, the risk, of course, is that maybe the sphere data be like, you know, I'd be perfectly happy uh, marrying control. <laughs> yeah, right. That's a good point. Well, another point, too, about the about the sphere data is the idea that in the future, cause, so we get Calypso, right? This is all going to tie into yeah. Calypso somehow, especially if we're going a thousand years in the future. So it's possible that part of the way that Calypso's discovery becomes you know, autonomous becomes AI, a true AI is because it mixes with the sphere data. Right. Like that could be how it, you know, got to where it is in that, in that uh, short trek. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure that, that that is in one, you know, one future of discovery that the question is, is, are we there yet? I mean, are mm-hmm. we going into the future and, and the ship stays, but somehow the people come back? I don't know how that would work. Right. Although, who knows what the sphere data could do? I mean, we could get a, uh, you know, Jokes X Machina where the sphere is like, thank you for, you know, saving me. Now I will send you back home. Beep! Enter through the door to your own timeline. You're like, okay! (laughs) (laughs) 
But it's also possible that the ship comes back. Yeah. That they defeat Control and they're able to come back and, you know, Discovery has another season in the original ship. But mm. you know, they, they could do a whole other ship. I mean, that yeah, would be. absolutely. Discovery A. Yep. Uh, so speaking of Calypso, this episode was actually directed by the same person who directed Calypso, which is uh, Altunde Osinsami. Mm-hmm. There you go. You try and say it. But that's the, na- that's the name. He directed Calypso. He also directed this episode. We also get an interesting moment. So you know me. I love time travel. Uh, so, of course, you know, this and whatever happens in the next episode, I'm super excited to see. I love to see how it all is going to work out for us. But it, uh, we get a moment in early on before the credits where Burnham sees them, uh, you know, sees them try to blow up Discovery. Discovery won't blow up. Then tries to shoot the torpedoes and the torpedoes are shielded. And so then they, they're doing what they can. And then she gets the moment where she sees everything. That's when we get the big moment happen. And then when she comes back, it's after they uh, after they try and self-destruct the ship, but before they use the torpedoes. It's interesting why she went back to that moment. It's like there had to have been a reason, but it wasn't anything that uh, that was explained, at least in this episode. So I'll be interested to see if we get something about that. Back from the opening credits, but before a commercial, we get a... Uh, what do we call the scenes when they're all in like the boardroom and they're all talking? If, uh, Meeting room. Conference room scene. Conference room. There we go. Sure. We'll say it's that. So we get a conference room scene here where, uh, you know, they're starting to talk about, break down the ideas, where we're at, where we're going, what we have to get done. You know, uh, they make the, uh, they uh, basically come up with the idea that, well, we know that Burnham's mom didn't send the signal. So that means it must be Burnham who's going to send the signals. We just don't know why. So she's got to be the one to go. Not to mention that her DNA is the only other one that will match the DNA in the suit. So it can't be Pike who goes, even though he offers. It has to be Burnham uh, for all those reasons. And then we get a signal, and we end up at the planet uh, the planet with the queen, Poe. Poe, our queen from Tilly Short, arrives, loving ice cream just as much as she did before. Uh I love, too, that scene where Pike's trying to be all formal, but is immediately undercut by Poe going, Tilly! It's so great. We get the Culber and uh, Stamet scene, which you, you've already talked a little bit about. It's, you know, them deciding to move on with their lives to keep going forward. The advice that uh, Cornwell gave to Culber a few episodes back. <clears throat> we also find out that Culber is going to uh, predate McCoy on the Enterprise, so that'll be interesting. Oh, yeah, that, that's because we've got... The original Doctor, right, right, who we just see in the in the cage, the cage. and so then you got Culper. He'll yep. be he'll be our like our Doctor in between that guy and McCoy. And McCoy, yeah, apparently. We theoretically, could have somebody else in there, but who cares? <laughs> That's a lot uh, of fun. Yeah, no, that was really cool. I like that. We get a one full scene of techno babble, and we find out that Burnham is stuck with a one-way ticket to the future. There might not be any way back. Uh, let's go back to that chosen one prophecy. Who's going to save the world again? Uh, looks like it's going to be uh, girls. Michael Burnham. Well, they, they do like put a lot of weight on this one character, right? So, whereas... She is the lead. 
She is, right? Yeah. And because we're not focusing on the captain, we're putting more on this one character rather than having an ensemble in the way that, you know, like the original Trek in which we've talked about the network wanted, where's our captain? What's our captain doing? How come our captain doesn't do more? Yep. And the, the actual creators had discovered, you know, this wonderful dynamic between Spock, McCoy, and Kirk. And you get this powerful trilogy that does everything and goes everywhere. And even then, they're not doing everything because you, you will sometimes leave McCoy on the ship or leave Spock on the ship and get other interesting dynamics. But it's an ensemble, right? And then mm -hmm. by Next Generation, it's a real ensemble, right? You know, I think at the very end... And by that, I, I mean season seven and especially the movies. I do think they get a little bit too much Picard and Data. Yes. But taken as a whole, that's an ensemble show. Yeah. It really is. And this is less so. You know, Michael Burnham is the star. Everything revolves around Michael Burnham. In the way, you know, if this were Columbo, everything revolves around Columbo. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, when television has a star, that kind of stuff happens. And, of course, original Star Trek, everyone thought at NBC that William Shatner was the star. So they yeah. wanted, they were, they were you know, like, sending these notes. But, of course, in this case, it's different. So that's one of the ways in which it doesn't quite feel quite Star Trek-y, mm -hmm. right? Because we're used to that ensemble. But, of right. course, that's just one way of telling the story. There's other things going on, other ways well, to tell that, these stories. Yeah, and we're still using those other characters. I mean, again, oh, yeah. we did lose Tilly last week, but, you know, she's here with Poe, and then we've got, you know, obviously Pike's doing all the cool stuff he's doing. and It's way more of an ensemble show than Columbo was. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and even really than the original Star Trek. You know, I mean, you had the big three in, in the original series and then you had your Chekhov's and blah, blah, blah. But very rarely did, you know, Chekhov get a love interest. Well, Chekhov got a love interest. I'd say Sulu. It was very rare that Sulu got a love interest, you know. So <clears throat> Chekhov did get a love interest like right away in the apple. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Which is coming up very soon. And uh, when we get back to the original series. I think it's two episodes away. I think the first one we're doing is, we talked about this last week, but. Nomad. It's Nomad. And then the next episode after that is The Apple. So two, uh, so three episodes away for us will be uh, Chekhov and his girlfriend. So it's going to be great. Uh, during my second watch through of this episode, it occurred to me, so we got, I already talked about Pike's, you know, big goodbye that he gets in this episode. But there's also a moment when Burnham gets hit, gets hers, you know, which is interesting. And then made me wonder if, like, maybe Burnham does end up in the future possibly by herself. And then maybe Spock thinks that she's gone forever, which could be right. why we, you know, they never talk about her. You know, it's like a sore subject. It's also why Amanda's never like, have you talked to your sister? You know, it's because it's like, you couldn't have talked to your sister because your sister is dead, you know? So just another possibility there as to uh, why, if they end up very Voyager-like, instead of in the Delta Qua or the Gamma Quadrant, they end up in the, in the, uh, you know, a thousand years in the future and uh, go on that journey, which would be interesting. But uh, if they decide to do that, 
but also could be why we never hear about Burnham again because it's a poor touchy subject with old Spock there. Uh, Poe decides that she's going to stay on board because they're a team. Giorgio tries to talk Burnham out of this mission, calling her a martyr and selfless. As if those are insults. That's the way she says them. It's funny. She's like, no, look, if I make it back, you can talk about all my character flaws later. I like that. Oh, and then we get this really cool shot where uh, we get to look through the windows of the Discovery. You're like, you just see people walking by in them and stuff. That was a really cool shot. I really like that one. And then uh, Sarah and Amanda suddenly appear. Uh, we saw at the beginning of this episode, he's on a beach, and suddenly he realize, he touches her Katra and realizes what's about to happen. So she, him and Amanda make a, a run out there to say their goodbyes. Uh, a lot of great bits in this scene, you know? Um, Sarek admitting that he always, hasn't always been the greatest father, hasn't been the greatest husband. That was kind of neat. Um, Burnham thanks them for putting her back together when she was broken. Amanda says of uh, Sarek, uh, you're impossible. He said, I would accept improbable. <laughs> we also get a nice moment here, too, where Burnham says, uh, you know, please watch over Spock. And he's like, of course, I'll always be there for my son. I've kept my distance as he's asked, which again takes me right to uh, Journey of Babel, right? Where we see Sarek for the first time and he's like, doesn't even look at him. It's not like he's purposely ignoring him or it's like he's purposely ignoring him. I guess it's hard to tell which way he's looking, but it, uh, but it does in that episode very much feel like he's avoiding Spock as opposed to like uh, Spock not wanting to talk to him. And that scene, too, just fades out as Sarek moves into, like, kind of go around them both, or at least just touch her. We don't quite get it, but we know it's going to happen. So we've already hit on it a little bit, but I wanted to talk a little bit more about the idea of the, like, entire crew joining on board. Because when I first watched it, I was like, this seems really ridiculous to me that the like not the entire bridge crew, if not, and everybody else is like, hey, we're going to come along. We're going to we're going to help you out. We're going to get behind you and blah, blah, blah. So I felt like that, that's just silly. Like it could be a one way trip. It could be a blah, blah, blah. It just felt too much like we just want everybody to get behind. Um, get behind them. But then I thought about what's the alternative, right? They're going to stay there at the battle and they're going to possibly die in battle on the Enterprise. Like, what are they going to be, you know, in their rooms on the Enterprise or, you know, there can only be one person at ops, you know, when they're in the middle of a battle. So what's Denver going to do? Hope that guy gets knocked out and take over for him. Uh, I don't know. So I thought so on my second watching, I was like, I was a little more OK with the idea that everybody was like, hey, let's go. Yeah, I mean, it, it especially with, you know, with the. The giveaway that Spock's gone with them. Yes. You know what? What we what we get to anticipate because this this gigantic Chekhov's gun on the wall <laughs> telling right. you they're coming back. You get to anticipate. Ooh, there's going to be this exciting fight. Both ships. You know, two combats, cutting back and forth. Is this crew does that and that crew does this, as opposed to everyone being on one ship or the other. And then missing out on what else is going on or what could be going on. 
So something I just thought about was Spock going along is that we see him in the in the next time on Enterprise Discovery Discovery I mean uh, next time on Discovery uh, that he's in a shuttle so maybe when his shuttle gets lodged he gets separated from Discovery and so he's left behind with Enterprise anyway I mean that's just another possibility I guess we'll know next time uh, how that all ends up working out but that's possible to check that that Spock just gets separated from everybody and. <clears throat> They go into the future alone. Tyler also decides that he can't go. He's got to stay and fight the good fight with Section 31. He wants to stop whatever this happening is again. So they have one more kiss, and then they separate. But this also gives him an idea, and he runs off to do something on his own. And then there's also this like short amount of time, right? we got about 10 minutes or so. Uh, Pike even gives us the warning in the last scene with Tyler. You know, there's 11 minutes. So we got about 10 minutes and everyone's, instead of doing their job and preparing for what's about to happen, they're all like writing these nice long little blogs to uh, and letters to all the people that they know. It's a fine little scene. I'm just giving it a hard time. But it's funny that you're like, okay, well, we got 10 minutes left. Let's not make sure everything's ready to go. It's like, no, I have to write a missive to my mom. Yeah, you know, it's. I, I always think that scenes like that are probably taking, you know, a, a accumulative, you know, 10 seconds, right? Yeah. But we are seeing them sequentially. Yeah. That some of this stuff might be inner monologue stuff. Like, you know, when I see my family again, I have to tell them this. Yeah. Or whatever. And, but, of course, you can't do inner monologues, right? Because they look sure. weird as the, as the character goes... And and like the the actors talks over their you know yeah, their voiceover. stuff right yeah I mean you know that doesn't work this works character wise it's fantastic character wise doesn't make a lot of sense plot chronology wise yeah but you know sometimes those things are in conflict and I don't think it's the wrong choice to go with character no no I don't either and you know. Obviously, there are other times where you want to go with plot, what makes sense in terms of uh, plot, but I think this this works well, so. And it fills in, it shades in a lot of the stuff that we don't, it shades in a little more of some of these characters we don't know, right? Obviously, we know who Saru's going to talk to, but for Detmer and for uh, the other navigation girl whose name I've never learned, is, uh, you know, we get a little more coloring into who they're talking to and what they're talking about. And Tilly, too. Oh, there are also two great uses of the Star Trek theme in this episode. You notice that? There's yes. one right at the beginning when we're uh, coming on, or when Spock first sees the Enterprise, we hear it going on. And then again at the end when Pike is on the bridge in the yellow, we hear yep. it again. Dun, 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 dun. It was so great. I loved it. Pike has this amazing goodbye. It was just great. You know, it, just him going and talking to everybody. And then, you know, telling uh, Burnham, you know, I'm so glad I was here to uh, watch you discover your heart. I thought that was really nice. Uh, Spock, there are no words. You know, that oh, was great. that was great. Yeah. Yep. Now, so what else is he gonna say? this might be a good time, like, to bring up the, the fact that there's been a Star Trek writing campaign for a Captain Pike Enterprise spinoff. That's my I next is, note. That's, that's actually fabulous, my next note. right? Yeah. I love it. And... So here I am on, on Anson Mount's Facebook page where he has linked to the story at comicbook.com. Yeah. Star Trek Discovery fans petition for Captain Pike spinoff set aboard the Enterprise. And he writes, 
I am humbled and deeply touched for this amount of love. I have never received such gratitude. Please know that my own gratitude at having been given the opportunity to walk in Captain Pike's boots is equaled only by that which I feel for the Trek family's devotion. Seriously, thank you from the bottom of my heart. See, Anton Mont's just a nice guy. <laughs> He's a great guy. I'd love to see that. I'd love yeah. to see. I mean, you know, they're going to do a George. You know, let's, let's, and especially with these short tracks. Yeah. You know, you could do an eight series or, you know, uh, you know, a 12 or, a, you know, you could do whatever the story calls for. Yeah. And, you know, as we've talked about before, the idea that they're both out there never precludes coming back. We could see Culper again, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. You, know, you could have an, uh, a crossover episode in season three in which, well, the Enterprise comes back, you know, and they interact or something, and there's Culper and Spock and Pike and number one. And, well, like, you know, yeah. and the funny thing is, too, as, you know, depending on how that, you know, if that, please let that happen. But, it, you yes. know, if the, as the series goes along, you know, you just start like suddenly McCoy starts coming aboard and suddenly right. we get, you know, Ensign Sulu and, you know, you could really just start yeah, fleshing out all of those. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> the commander in astrometrics. Exactly. And, and you could do the, like the briefest things because you, you could be like, uh, well, we've got this new hotshot Ensign in astrometrics. Uh, you know, Mr. Sulu, uh, what are your, what's your recommendation? And, you know, he, like, has one line where you're like, yeah, yeah, Sulu! Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I would love for that to happen. That would be amazing. That was literally my next note. Have you heard about people petitioning for Pike? Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, I love you it. Know, Star Trek does have a long history <laughs> of the petition. Yeah, Exactly. That's how it came back on the air. We'll get to that at the end of this season of the original series. So Pike is about to make Saru captain, and then Saru sort of sidesteps in like, we got a lot of other stuff to worry about. We'll talk about that if we survive all this. Uh, lots of ins and outs to take care of, he basically says. Then we get another uh, scene of techno babble, this time with Tilly, Stamets, and uh, Reno. Uh, she I basically like how says, Reno is, is one of these kind of secondary recurring characters yeah. who... They establish early on. She comes and goes. But here she is in the heart of this thing. She gets her own flash forward vision. Yes, exactly. Which we don't see. So I'm wondering if that becomes something very important. You know. Well, we do see enough that we get that torpedo lodged in the Enterprise's hull. Yeah, again. Yeah. that like three times. Yep. It's important for the next one. But the thing is, you've got a lot of characters who are aware of it now. Yeah. Which means I can totally imagine like... They thought it through. They're like, what do we do when that happens? And they're like, ready to go. Yeah. Uh, Saru basically tells everybody who was going to get off the, uh, Discovery to get off Discovery. But it makes me wonder how much more of the crew they got down there. You know, how many decided to like, we're going with Discovery. <laughs> the future is better than fighting this stupid battle. <laughs> right at the end, too, Jorshow tells Pike that, that he's Terran. I'm from the Mirror Universe, and Pike's like, what Mirror Universe? Wink. <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> I'm like, wait, so he knows about the, uh, the parallel universe? What's going on here? We know he's well-informed, but... We also have you know, the, the difference in that by this time in the original series, they were flying by out of the seat of their pants making stuff up. Yeah, 
right? Whereas we are so late in Star Trek lore now that it would be much harder to uh, to be like, well, nobody knows anything about it. Yep. Uh, then right at the end, we have uh, Pike calling for shields as Section 31 arrives, and Saru then announces, prepare for battle! And then it goes to black. And you're like, Pleh. you're getting to the best part. It is. Oh. Total cliffhanger. I know. It's great. I'm excited. All right. Well, uh, let me get to some quick stuff from some of the reviews I read. IGN, which gave this uh, a rating of 8.6, which is considered great said, uh, we glimpsed the red highlighted corridors of the ship back in the first episode of this season, but now we really get on board the Enterprise. Once Burnham, Pikes, and Saru got off the turbo lift with those hand grip thingies on the turbo lift, it was clear that the production designer and her team were uh, going for classic touches of the old NCC-17001, no bloody A, B, C, or D. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that, but yeah, it was great to see the handholds. I forgot about, forgot to mention that. That was amazing. Yeah, so like uh, she talked about how you know in the series, you'd have these lights that would go up as they like were I guess passing decks. Yeah, and that really didn't kind of make sense. So, but she did have an indicator in which you would get those lights going up to indicate you were going. So you felt like, oh, it's still there, even though, you know, it's not like we're passing through floors. Right. Exactly. IGN also points out that the credits indicate that there is a yeoman cult on board the Enterprise, which is a character from The Cage. Oh. Uh, I know. But goes on to point out that uh, I don't know which one she is. (laughs) But that was kind of cool. Little Cage reference. Birth, Death, and Movies says this. Uh, Such Sweet Sorrow is the perfect title for this episode. Not only is it an episode full of partings, it's an episode full of the sweet sorrow that it implies. The writers and the cast pulled out some great work in creating an emotional climax for the season, certainly to be matched by the action climax we're going to get next week. By its cliffhanger ending, this episode ends up on a mixture of a... a just-in-case character resolutions. I like that. Just-in-case character resolutions and heavy... Heavily stupid plot setup. Next week looks to be all action all the time. Hopefully all the dumb plotting will pay off as cathartic as the character development we saw this week. Thought that was good. And lastly, I got good old Katie Burt, who's back on board with uh, with the show from Den of Geeks, said this. After two seasons, Star Trek Discovery is so close to cutting itself free from the strings of pre-existing canon once and for all. With the ship poised to jump far into the future in order to keep the sphere's knowledge from control this show may be heading into something towards largely unexplored frontier uh in largely unexplored frontier for the franchise after two seasons of living in the shadows of star trek stories that have come before this time maybe discovery has a chance for narrative freedom and god i hope i they take it she says yeah i mean i, I always think that's a you know, people who like want to escape Star Trek while watching Star Trek, that doesn't make any sense. Right. You know, that's like, uh, I want to do a Hamlet without the Prince of Denmark, and like, there's no, uh, you know, we've seen all that before. Let's do a, you know, yeah, that's that's what makes it Hamlet, right? Yeah. Well, I, I'm wondering if they, she's less more about like, I want to get away from Star Trek, and more about just getting out of, out of the confines of canon. I think that's more of what she was saying. 
Yeah, I, I always think that people want to escape canon way more than they ought to. Mm-hmm. Right? The, there's plenty of stuff to explore that's new without having to, let's escape canon. Mm-hmm. You know, there's it's not like every part of the universe has already been mapped out and we know what's going on. Yeah. Right? So, you can go new places and do new things with... And, you know, have the occasional Andorian show up. Yeah. You know, you don't have to go, well, let's do um, Voyager. And, and like, we're going to be the whole different quadrant and nobody we meet is familiar. Yeah. Maybe that's, I, you don't have to go that far. Uh, well, that's it. That's all the notes I got. Anything else you wanted to hit on that we didn't get to? Nope. All right. We got well, it It's funny because this was a slightly shorter episode, but for us, it's been a slightly longer episode. So uh, (laughs) definitely we had a lot to talk about uh, this week. Next week, we will not only be hitting uh, the finale of this of of season two, but we'll also be talking a lot about season two and our thoughts and feelings on said things. So tune in next week for that. Plus, uh, you know, you know where to find us. We're going to be on YouTube's for the video stuffs and then on uh, Spotify and Google Play and iTunes, we're all the places you want to find us. And uh, uh, maybe once we get back into the original series, we'll be uh, finding a few more places I'll be able to hook us up on as well. So there you go. Anyway, as always, my name is Matt coming to you from Austin and from Houston. And my brother Ken, say goodbye, Ken. Live long and prosper. There we go. And we'll see everybody for the finale next week.